0: Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise, or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work, a desire for always learning and improving, and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles, and this week I have pulled in a fabulous artist that I've been trying to beg to do this for a couple of years the one and only Ariel Burgess. Thanks for coming in.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, it's really great to be here and finally like have our schedules match up.
0: It's, yeah, it's always fun and usually it's my fault, I think, but. I think it's been mutual. (laughs) um, So you want to give everybody kind of a quick bio, all the kind of stuff you've worked on, done?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm an official, uh, I'm a professional fantasy artist. Um, I have been a a professional for 15 years. Um, I've done a lot of conventions. Um, I was an official artist for the Wheel of Time series from 2012 to 2019 um, and uh, have worked um, with Tor and um, Stan Lee and um, done a, a little bit a little bit of everything, um, won, won a bunch of awards which is really cool and I'm thankful for um yeah and, and now i'm kind of doing my my own thing
0: so how did you decide to go into art i mean we all know that that creative bend is usually a calling right yes but it's also yeah. a challenge to decide not only we got to do this because it's a calling but i'm going to do this profession
1: yes uh well it felt like there really wasn't another option uh it was something i was always good at um I come from an artistic family. Uh, my grandmother was manager at the Yellow Pages. She was one of the first female managers in the DC area to work on the Yellow Pages. My mother was a fused glass artist and and um, an art manager as well. And so I, I kind of grew up in the art world. Um, my dad was a cartoonist briefly, and my mom did. Uh, she drew like tanks for the the military for the army at one point. You know, it's just um, it's just kind of in my blood. Um, and uh, it was the thing that I was rapidly good at uh, and able to um, to really to make money at. But also, it was just the thing that I loved doing. It was the thing that I would turn down going to a party to do instead.
0: So, having having made that move, what was your first kind of big jump into being a prof- in, into being a professional? Right, that's one of those things I always have a little bit of reticence over the term is calling somebody an expert, calling Mm -hmm. somebody a professional. You know, it's professional is the first time somebody writes you a check.
1: Yeah. Um I so I don't think uh you know I, I think it was just when you're especially as an artist, when you when you get to a certain point, people start offering money for commissions. Um for me, I don't consider myself professional, uh, until I got a, a check from a company, um, which sounds very capitalistic of me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> cause I, I had done some private commissions in my teens, uh, you know, a hundred bucks here for a family drawing or character or something like that. Um, but my first, um, really big thing came about because I I was just, I was drawing all the time and I I had just recently gotten into digital art and I was posting on DeviantArt a lot uh, and a a couple of different places. And and I got scouted uh, by a talent agent who, um, he really incredible guy. He works with all kinds of uh, comic book companies and Marvel and Dynamic, and um, he runs a Glasshouse Graphics. And um, he reached out and was like, hey, we're doing this uh, how to draw. Uh, for Stanley, um, how to draw Marvel comics, and we really like uh, a line work of Thor that you did. That's just that you had posted to a site, um, and uh, we wanted to talk to you about um, paying for usage of that in uh, a book uh, for Stanley's how to draw comics. So um, that was really cool because I'd I'd already drawn the art, so I didn't have to do anything new, um but it was, all, it was really scary because it was just, you know, something I'd, I'd done for practice. Um, and, um, so I, I, I said, yes, and, and got a check for that. And, um, a, a book signed from Stan and that just kind of how it went. I think, I think in anything, there's a little bit of luck, you know? Um, and, uh, then I just, I kept posting online and, and, trying to be a part, trying to be everywhere, you know, trying to be a part of any community that really spoke to me.
0: What's the, and we were talking about this a little bit before we got started, but kind of what's the biggest surprise you had when you, when you first made the shift of trying to make a living as an artist, what's the biggest surprise you kind of had making that shift?
1: Um, Well, I didn't, I feel like I didn't have as many surprises as others uh, because I grew up with other artists who, really told me the honesty of it of the the world that it wasn't going to be you know that whole like you do what you love and you never work in a a day in your life like that's half true and half very not true um it's it's definitely work um and it changes the game when you're doing something that's for work and then for or just for enjoyment and even when it is for work there's enjoyment in it so it's it's an amalgamation of a mix, um, so, I don't know, um, I think the amount of hats you have to wear these days, um, and I say these days as in, like, when I really started in, like, 2007, um, it, it's very different from the art world that, like, my parents grew up in they you know they got a studio job and they worked in a studio and um and that was the you had the pension and you had a a, a pay and so for me it seemed like it, it started to become real that uh, that kind of job just didn't exist anymore and so it was that's always what I thought I would do is end up in a studio and and working with other artists um, but it's really a lot more um working at home and working alone and um, doing a lot more hats where you have to do a lot more marketing and and um you don't have as much of a team um, but y- you can it's just it's not as prevalent
0: yeah you got to build the business and and find the revenues to make a team of people right it's yeah. and one of the things that I get into a lot is what is a freelancer life like you know it, yeah <laughs> you know, I, I, and there've been large parts of my career where I was doing that or large parts of my career where I worked for somebody also had a big freelancer part of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to go through that, it, I I think a lot of people lose the fact that one of the, still the biggest things is the marketing side, right? It's Mm -hmm. the, the challenges with what does it take to build a business and a name and a reputation and manage that, you know? And I I think, And when you have a name and a style, and this is this goes back to a little bit to some of the things we were talking about beforehand in today's environment, you can build that real freelancer, you know, life, but it is an absolute lifestyle because your life is 24 seven. Yeah. It's the business. It's the creativity. It's everything else like that versus the, you never get to turn that hat off.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, um, it's something It's something that I, I really warn a lot of young artists or young freelancers about, people who, who want to just create. Um, excuse me. Um, it, it, it can be very draining, um, but it, it can also be very fun. But that can also steal all of your time. So time management is really a big thing. Um, I have ADHD, and so time management is not my strong suit. Um, so I have a lot of, I have a lot of lists and a lot of alarms and, um, management things that help me. And I think it's, it's this idea that you're just going to whimsically make stuff and then people are going to see it and it's going to grow and suddenly everybody will love it. And, and, and I think, <laughs> excuse me, um, sorry, the air just kicked on one of the things to your point of a surprise, um, is that, uh, i i was really surprised at um how much time management takes into account and how much um being a freelancer isn't just about like making the thing and marketing and all that it's also about having to remember that um you have to exercise like you have to you have to do other things outside of that to remind yourself that like you have to um to take care of yourself, and even if you love a piece, um, and this was this was a big thing. It's like even if you love a piece and you think it's really great, and you think it's you see like that you've improved, and you see that you know it's got all these elements you think are going to be really popular. That doesn't necessarily mean it will be popular. Um, and so, there's a fine line of doing art that you love, but also doing art that speaks to other people.
0: And finding that commercial audience. Yeah. Well, obviously you managed to find a bit of a commercial audience there. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to hop into Robert Jordan Estate, Wheel of Time, getting to dive, to work on that art for that long of a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. How'd you fall into that one?
1: Um, I really did fall into it. Uh, so very similarly, I had... Um, I had gotten a private commission uh, by Wheel of Time fan, uh, and I was I had been reading the series myself, and I really liked the series. Um, and it the commission kind of came at the same time that I was I was always scrounging the internet for good Wheel of Time art, and there wasn't a ton, uh, if, which was odd for series that was so old. Um, but there wasn't a lot out there that was really accurate. Like, there wasn't a lot of that out there besides the book covers. Um, so I wanted to do stuff that was like really accurate and I was kind of trying to find a good reason to do it because I was going to school full-time and um I had gotten this commission uh to do a private card deck like a not an actual sized card deck it was like 13 cards and it was a couple of the characters and it was uh, mostly like people he knew dressed like the characters so I had kind of started doing that um and then uh after the commission of like doing his family portraits, uh, I just kind of moved into just drawing the characters myself. Um, and uh, he and I created like a, a Facebook page, and, um, and the page started getting really popular. Um, and you know, he went he went off and did his own thing, and I kept up with the page and kept posting characters. And I got um, a a message from the an email from the official merchandisers who had seen my artwork and had seen that it was getting popular and were like, hey, we really like your stuff. Do you want to do this for real? And I was like, well, this is probably a spam fake email um, <laughs> because it's too good to be true. Um, but now they were like, no, we're real. Uh, so yeah, I, I started working with them and um, first was contracted just to do merchandise through them. Uh, but then later had permission and contracts to do my own official art um, with the estate itself directly. Um, but we all just kind of worked together. Uh, anything that I ended up making, I just, I also did with them. Um, and it, uh, the the card decks it took off and I was finishing college and, um, you know, was working on cards in the back of class, uh, <laughs> trying to uh to do stuff and it was one of those moments where an opportunity came my way and I had I had never painted a card deck before. I had never painted this many portraits. I had never made uh, boxes, I never made merchandising, I never done advertising. And we had to do all of that. Um I learned how to to design uh, deck boxes as well as custom the uh the uh collectors edition deck boxes as well as what um print bleed was and I never worked with printers like this so it was a whole bunch of learning all at once um and that it's just kind of how you you have to be is yes and I'm gonna learn along the way and there's a lot of things now that I look back and go like oh I can't believe like it was too dark or like I should have I should have painted out further so I had room to move stuff or um, I didn't know a lot about uh resolution, printing resolution, so I painted everything pretty small, uh close to the actual card size. So then a couple of years later, they wanted to make posters of the card art and I had to when I tried to blow them up, I was like, this doesn't look good. So I to go over and fix everything. And so, you know, it's those little things that you are along the way. Um and that was that was honestly the card deck just turned into you know project after project with them and um, it was it was very fun but i i had to learn about um you know i'd started as a, uh, doing a lot of sketches and painting and i had to learn about like how things translate to t-shirts and mugs and um, how those those mediums are very different than something that ends up on a
0: book <laughs> yeah and i mean it's this is one of those first things is discovering There's a lot of different ways that art looks and feels. And then when you're turning it into a commercial product. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to be learned and done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it it was really fun. And I had, I had such a great team with Tavern Tees. They were honestly one of the best companies to have ever worked for. Um, They were very open to ideas and, and talking with things, but I had, them plus the jordan estate uh being essentially art directors so i had six art directors on every piece i did and that's a lot of say with one final say coming down to harriet Um, and there were times where i very much disagreed with her uh what she wanted to do but she had the say and so i had to do it and that's that's the way that it goes
0: so that kind of leads into an, an interesting thing which is the difference between doing work for somebody else doing work on contract doing work on spec mm-hmm. and then just doing your own world your own creativity that that own creative spark right what's the difference for you
1: um so there are times i really miss having that safety net of having a, a group of people go this is the deadline this is when you need to have it done by and we are gonna say yes to this and no to that and having that fire. Cause that's, I mean, really that's how ADHD people, like we, we motivate really well when there's a fire under our butt. Um, so without that, when it's just art for yourself, um, you have to have a, a respect for yourself as well as your community that you, if you make a deadline, you need to stick to it. If you have your word, you need to stick to it. Um, but also culting evading a community that recognizes that you're human and sometimes things happen and you can't make a deadline um but to also be in a space where you you honor the things that you promise but it is it is kind of like being out in the wilderness wilderness alone um where you you don't have that structure of a company to work with and you don't have the structure of a specific topic um it's all just you it's it's what you want to make and sometimes you can create a structure and you know make a, a comic or a story to for people to follow like um like Stefan Cedric or um, even with Laura Olympus um she, she's created a, a guidelines to follow in but um when you're just kind of doing what what you want to do it's it's tough um so but I also got very frustrated when working with um, a team sometimes because there were there were things that I wanted to do and I didn't get to, or I learned that when you're working with a company, if you're doing um, sketches and they ask you for an idea and you, you do a couple different sketches, never, ever, ever give them the one that you don't wanna do because that is the one they will pick. Um, you go with ones that you are interested in doing and ones that you think look good. And that was something I had to learn where I would I would just try and give them a bunch of ideas and they would be like that one. I was like, no, that's the one I think is the worst. But you know, the, when you're working with a company, it's it's not a bunch of other artists. Um uh it, it can be, but um usually those people are also more business people, and Harriet was an editor for years, and so um it was it was very different. Um there was a there was a piece that I did for Um, the wheel of time where it's Perrin and he's fighting a bunch of um, dark hounds and he's using a great hammer, just very heavy and big. It's very large on the end and it has um, a blacksmith's hammer on the end. So it's a point. Um, And in my original sketch, I had him swinging it over his shoulder because I tend to think realistically, like with physics. And if you're if you're swinging something, it, it, you don't want to pull your arm out of your socket and Harriet thought it would be more dynamic to have him swinging it like a baseball bat and I was like the Harriet that would he'd rip his arms out and and it wouldn't like it, it just wouldn't look good and she was like well that's what I want so that's what I had to do but it uh it it was definitely something where I was like oh, I hate this uh but now uh now doing that on my own I don't have I don't have somebody to really, you know, bounce that idea off of, or, or fight with, or, um, work on, and and there were some things that she picked out, which actually ended up being a better decision in the long run. Um, so it was it was nice to have that.
0: So, what's your favorite thing about working for yourself?
1: Um, that I don't always have that <laughs> that I can um, that I can just. Uh, Make something that I'm I'm wanting to that I just want to do. Um, for instance, I I love pinup art. I've always loved pinup art. Um, I've always done stuff kind of in that realm. Uh, and so when I started doing the Wheel of Time, it was very like high fantasy. And um, though there is a lot of though there is sex that's implied in it, and there's nudity that's implied in it, there is not um there's not a lot that's shown. Uh, and so when I did the art, it was very like toned down. So for myself, uh, I can get back to that pinup art. Like I can get back to doing those kinds of things. Um, and right now I have like 10 different paintings that are started that I'm going to be starting in the new year. Um, and I can map those things out, but if one of them isn't working right now, uh, I don't have to force it. I don't have a deadline that's saying, you have to get this crystal dragon piece done right now. um, And I can go, you know what? This isn't working and step back from it.
0: So, and one of the things we've talked about a couple of times off and on, you know, is looking at the impact of generative AI on art and artists, period, right? Depending on where you're at and what you're doing in in the arts, Mm -hmm. this is having... Varying degrees of impact, but it's hitting everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is a challenge, right, is the difference between having people know and understand an appreciation of art and the ev- efforts of an artist and how things work. You know, as a writer, I frequently get into things about Chat GPT or some of the other writing engines and what that means or what it doesn't. Mm -hmm. For me, I've got the benefit of fundamentally, I can look and say at the end of the day, if I can't write better than a moderately average sixth grader, that's on me. I should Mm -hmm. be able to write better than that. Yes, I can't produce the volume that it can, but I can produce a better quality, or at least I hope so.
1: Yeah, it is a lot of pressure, I think, um, in, in that kind of, so one of the things to answer a question you didn't ask, one of my one of my least favorite things about being a freelancer is the marketing and dealing with the algorithms. And um dealing with algorithms specifically on social media. And uh now it's gotten to a point where if you don't post a certain amount of days and a certain amount of times a week, uh your stuff gets buried. And um it is a lot of pressure and it is been putting pressure on artists more and more to produce quickly and it's harder for us to put the time and the care that we want to into something without having it drag on too long um so now that ai has entered the scene it is impossible to keep up with and it's it's very difficult to not feel that pressure that we were already feeling with algorithms to not feel buried that uh you just can't you can't keep up with With that volume of um output and like you said it but it is mediocre output um it's tough as a fantasy portrait artist um i do a lot of scenes but i'm known for doing faces and people so one of the first things that of course ai has been used for is fantasy characters fantasy portraits a lot of women so that's like my bread and butter. Uh, and it's really it's tough to to keep that audience interested in what I do. Um, but I think one of the things that stands out to to that community is, you know, some while well, some of them may buy into it, uh, a lot of them are put off by it because the thing I was known for as a human artist is making my art feel very human, um, even if it's not of a human. Um, but making it feel lifelike. And AI is very mediocre. It's the the women all have the same body type. It's extremely an unrealistic body type, unless it's painted as very unflattering. And then they're the opposite. Um, and the the skin is too smooth. Uh, the And the, the smiles are too big. The hands thing has been fixed but it still doesn't understand hands um, very well. It doesn't understand physics. It doesn't understand light. Um, Things don't start and end in a way that they do in reality. Um, But also uh, down to the little stuff, like when you draw hair, there are always little strands that stick out that are off uh, on the side, and the hair is always too perfect. Um, and then we get down to the big thing, which is the eyes. Um, and they, they don't make eye contact, uh, well. And if they do, there's this, um, creepy, uh, soullessness to them.
0: The uncanny valley. I mean, it's, it's the lack of a spark of life.
1: Yeah. And so that's something that like I am known for, um, no, I mean you're going to always find people who want to go cheap and who want to go with whatever they think is cool and cool looking and that doesn't matter to them and you know they're they're going to be there. But often those are the same people who wanted $10 for something that took me a week and a half to make. Mhm. So-, so I mean, yeah, there's that audience there thing.
0: Well, and so let's talk about that a little bit more, though. I mean, this idea of marketing, um, because I, this is at a bare minimum, a third, of, you know, 50% of your time is in anything is trying to get the attention of people. I mean, the, the great joy and the great benefit out of social media is it gives global reach, global audience and the ability to reach and contact and touch people and expose them to work same time you you're playing the game with the algorithm right you've mm-hmm. got to keep up with enough for anybody to care
1: yeah
0: um and as an artist this is this is one of the bigger challenges is because okay great let me show you a piece of art let me show you something yeah. and it becomes is that something in a way that's going to speak to and pull people in you know it's one thing if it is a commercial piece that okay i can go buy the mug i can go buy this i can go buy this um but at the same time, for indie artists, I it, when you're doing independent work, I look at it the same way as indie authors and other indie creators. You don't have necessarily the same controls, limitations, viewpoint of other people to tell you, "Here's what your vision ought to be,"
1: yes. and
0: it it strips away so much voice. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. you know, is how much of that. Do you want to share with the world, knowing that, especially in the world we're in now, how stuff's gonna be get, you know, grabbed, ripped, shared. You know, mm-hmm. in the past, you could take a piece of artwork and and have it a low enough resolution, somebody's not just gonna go print it off on a piece of paper or something like that. Some people do.
1: Oh, um, still will. And yeah. I've had people take stuff and and with a giant watermark on it, put it on a hoodie and that's I appreciate the fact that they really like my work. I w- would mean more if they could support me via the means that actually support me. Um, and then I'm happy to give them a much better looking version. Um, but I think the thing, it, it is it is really hard right now. Um, I had a lot more of a hopping community uh, before the Facebook and Instagram algorithms the got released um and then that was hard to kind of come back from uh to get people to still see stuff uh the fact that i can post something and only a small percentage of people who already like my work who already like my pages will see it and most of them don't see it that's that's pretty tough so um some of the algorithm fighting is fun. I I like making like reels and like TikToks and things like that, although I don't have a TikTok. Um I think I was very done with making even more social media. Um and that would that's the thing though is because there are so many algorithms and there are so many social media outputs. Stick with what you can uh keep up with. You know, stick with what makes sense to you. There's always going to be new uh, companies out there and um I've had a lot of people suggest uh to you know I had a lot of people suggest to go on Twitter and then Twitter's become what Twitter's become and and I hated Twitter I never liked being on it I never liked promoting on it it was hard for me to manage it was hard for me to use and I found that if you if you try to make everybody happy and you try to be everywhere all at once it just you just you, there's no time to create and then, there's no time to create there's definitely no time to like feed yourself and exercise and take care of your body so choosing where you want to put your energy and then learning about those spaces and pushing for them um and then dealing with like dealing with the ai stuff um there's a little bit of like those horse binders that you have to put on just to to make anything um But it is, it is tough because you also do need to pay attention.
0: What is, what's your favorite thing to work on? I mean, because we all have our thing that just, you know, even if nobody else ever sees it, we go, we go create it because it's a fun thing to do, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I I don't know that it's always, it moves. Um, I think the, the thing that I try to think about is like, Artists are people, and people are complicated, and we're a mix of um, life experiences and things that we like, and um, we, none of us like only one, I mean, maybe somebody does, only one genre of music, um, and so we like multiple genres of music, so for me, like, the thing I've been really on lately is dragons, like, I've been doing a lot of dragons, uh, and it's been really fun, um, but I also, I'm portraiture. I think the thing I always, always come back to that always makes me happy is subtle emotion. Um, To paint somebody uh, with a lot of thought behind their eyes and to have, you know, it's fun to do to paint somebody who's like screaming and yelling and there's a lot of lines in their face and and emotion happening, but it's also really fun to paint like right before that moment when you can tell something's ruminating and it's about to happen. I always like the moments before. And so that's something that I always focus on in um, any piece I do, whether it's I'm doing pinup or I've I've gotten into Gothic art or I'm doing dragons or I'm doing armor and high fantasy. It's that like moment before. Um, and I think fantasy speaks to me more than science fiction, although I grew up in a very science fiction oriented family. Um, it uh, We watch Star Trek every night. You've seen all of Star Trek ever uh and but i was more I i liked like lord of the rings and i liked more of the, the fantasy stuff um witches are probably one that I, I do a lot of i'm about to release a calendar that's just witches and dragons um so it's you know that's that's something that i find joy but the dragons thing also kind of came out of spite um <laughs> because i was doing I was doing a bunch of gothic art uh which i really like i grew up kind of an emo kid and uh i i liked um i liked the gothic stuff i liked the really like vampirey kind of thing so i was doing a bunch of vampires and I had a guy who came up to me and he looked at it and he was like you know i think it's probably not going to sell as well because um it's not happy and people like happy art and you should paint more dragons and i looked at him and i thought I'm either never gonna paint dragons again or I'm only gonna paint dragons and that's all I'll ever do. Just to just to spite you. <laughs> and you know, it's uh, it it actually ended up being that I, I just really enjoy them and it's really easy. It's fun to paint them and I don't need as many references and um they can have uh, lots of lots of uh different looks to them.
0: Spite's a wonderful motivator. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing better than being told, "Oh, yeah, you can't do that."
1: Or, yes, uh, that's pretty much how I've I've uh, lived my life. Every art teacher I've had who said I couldn't do a thing—it was like the only thing I focused on. Uh.
0: <laughs> so, you know, looking at kind of the 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 lay of the land and, and where everything is at, what are you looking and hoping to happen for you next? You know, what are you really wanting to get, to get and grow? Because you've done a tremendous amount to still be as young as you are versus That's cranky it. old guy that I am, right? <laughs>
1: um, y- well, uh, you know, it's funny because I feel like I haven't done very much at all. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I've am i done a lot and I'm old and I'm tired and everything hurts. <laughs> and uh, and uh, get off my lawn. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, that's,
0: that's the name of my team is get off my lawn. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what was the question again?
0: The... Well, you know, what, what are you wanting to work towards next? Right. What's yeah. that next big thing for you?
1: Um, I, I would really like to be a part of a series again. Um, I think I'm always going to be uh, freelance and do my own thing um patreon is a really big space for me for for my community and for the people who like my work to um to see what i'm doing to see like uh the videos that i'm making of my art and the i do like wallpapers and um i really like being in that space and i want to cultivate that more um and and probably narrow my focus a little bit more about you know just sticking to fantasy dark fantasy um but I, I'd like to get back into also working with another series. Uh, and I've talked with Brandon Sanderson's team a bunch, um, and uh, years ago, um, and they there was some push for me for me to work on his stuff. And I've had a hard time getting into a lot of his books. Um, I, I think I think he's amazing. Um, I just I think I did the Wheel of Time so long the the long winded like big worlds were hard for me to get back into so um i've actually been really enjoying the dungeon crawler carl books um i'm up to date on them and they're so great um so i've been thinking about doing some some art for that um and just uh yeah i don't know like promoting series that you know need need some more fun art for it and uh the thing that I, I feel like I've prided myself in is being able to see a need and fill it, like see a space that is lacking and, and fill it. So especially with, right now with AI art, um, and I use that the term art really lightly. Um it uh there it's just like it's oversaturating a lot of the markets with stuff that's of it, but not Um, that's of a a particular topic like Harley Quinn or um, or even Dungeon Caller Carl um, but it's not accurate and so to get back into doing stuff that's really accurate you know making sure Carl's tattoos are in the right places and they are the right tattoos and he's wearing the right jackets and um, depending on when in the series that donut has the right tiara on and you know that um, that Mongo has like pink feathers in the way that Uh, We think that raptors have pink feathers, (laughs) and so um, yeah, like getting back into working on a series. But um, I think the the really big thing is I I want to get back to finding that community again and and helping helping that cultivate and grow.
0: Looking at you know, and again, let's just sort of dive a little bit into the impact that AI has had because it's it's impacted everything and everyone there's no other way i mean about uh i think it was october november of last year so a little more than a year ago i was talking about here's the impact of what's finally coming what's been released and and that sort of thing and and it was just just on that cusp and i was talking about what i expected the legal ramifications to be and the creative ramifications and a fair number of people told me i was crazy at the time and i may be crazy but that doesn't preclude the fact that a lot of the things that that we were kind of forecasting you know actually been worse than even what I was expecting right you know Um, talk a a little bit about what that impact is for for artists right what are artists doing real ground up work running into versus trying to compete with AI work
1: yeah it is it is really tough um and I I worry for people, I worry for for artists who are starting out right now, um, because there's everything from teachers who are saying you should use it to um, teachers who don't know anything about it, uh, and just feeling overwhelmed and um, hopeless. And I think the way to keep that hope uh, alive is to create and keep creating um, and to try, you know, a little bit of putting those binders on, but but also to um to see what what is sparking within within communities um i would say definitely take breaks from the news um, for me uh combating and dealing with it um it's tough uh there are days where it it definitely takes the the wind out of me uh, and i can't create and i think being kind to myself and giving myself space to to recognize that maybe today's a day that i work on my website, or marketing, or something else. Um, there are new avenues that I've been reading about. A couple different things, like glazing and and poisoning. Um, but it's it's it is more work on our end, um, and unfortunately, that work may just have to be done. Um, I don't like painting in front of people, so uh, it's been really hard to have to to take a lot more video recordings of myself painting and share that. Um, I get very self-conscious and perfectionist about it. Um, but it, it is kind of like a, a space now where we have to prove ourselves more, um, and, and share our process more. But I also really love sharing my process. Um, I, I like, um, getting to show people my, how, how my brain works and how things come together because I like to watch other artists do that. And I get inspired by them and one of my favorite things about art uh, whether it's being a a painter creator um, of you know physical media or you're a writer or any kind of artistic endeavor is that um, that it comes from this place of like wonder and curiosity and um, and that it comes from it's almost like puzzle solving uh, constantly so so you're in the space where you're trying to puzzle solve uh, and and make things from the heart, um, but also understand that you can't puzzle solve with AI. Um, it's, it's tough to say to protect yourself because I think there's gonna be theft um, anyway. And you know I've looked into a little bit into uh, if I've been stolen from, but I also, I don't want to look too deeply into it because I'm gonna assume the answer is yes. Um, and there's not a ton I can do about it uh, right now. Um, that that experience, though, I also get from working on The Wheel of Time. Um, when I worked on the series, official and non-official, I there was people who stole stuff. And I think a lot of it comes down to is that the average person doesn't understand the laws and how they work. Um, and so they don't even necessarily realize they are stealing so um to always start with kindness is a thing that i i try to practice in those instances when it comes to ai that one stuff uh to start with kindness because people are very combative about it um, whether it's using it or not using it and i i get that it makes me angry enough that my blood pressure gets unhealthy (laughs) um uh, because it is violating to to have everything i've ever learned be scalped
0: well and so much work posted and used to basically rinse and repeat right because again right. no ai is ever being creative it is putting it through a blender and spitting something back out so yeah i mean the one thing that I, I i continue to hold on to and maybe this is the old cranky guy and me screaming get off my lawn is that The act of creation, the act of art is one of the most ancient things that we have. Storytelling and putting a picture on a cave wall.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, There's a reason that we look at 40,000-year-old works on a cave wall that tell us a story of the people back then. You know, there's a reason we look at art as it changes through time and it still speaks to us. Is right. the spark of humanity behind it, right? Um, and
1: that's uh, and that's the thing that I find is concerning within the community is that um, for one, ask any artist it, to learn how to draw, and the answer will often be, "Yeah, I'll give you some tips." Now, there might be a, "Hey, there's a fee if we get too deep into this," right. but um, artists usually like supporting each other and um, any kind of creativity, so. Right now, there is a big um, push within the, I hate to say this, but the AI community, because it's a community, um, that artists are gatekeeping creativity and saying that we're the only ones who can create. And we can't, like, we're not. Pick up a pencil, open Photoshop, open a free drawing program. Like you, anybody can draw, anybody. And it's really a skill. It's like woodworking. You just have to put the time into it to get better and your style is going to be your style. It's it's not any, like anybody else's. And I think that's the thing with AI is that it all is amalgamation of many different artists. And so it's it is it's looks like everything and anything and nothing. Nothing. And so there is that loss of personal creativity, personal um conversation. Because art is a conversation. Um, when you make something you want for me when I make something, I want people to look at it and be curious and have a different story, you know, wonder, like I have this piece here. Um, you know, where's she going? Uh is she running from something? Is why is she so sad? Like why um you know, it's just there are a lot of questions. And for me, it started with I wanted to do something cool and kind of um like uh oh gosh, the movie with Harrison Ford and um very futuristic. I always- Blade Runner. Yes, Blade Runner. I wanted it to be very Blade Runner like, but um but not very specific and just kind of started there. Um but I want art to be a space where you can look at it and have your own story, have your own idea. And we do that with galleries. You know, we go to museums and we we look around and we all wonder how was the artist feeling? What were they going through? Why did they choose this piece? And why did they do the brushstrokes this way? Or, you know, why is, why is this person look so downtrodden? Maybe it's just the 18th century and everybody died young. You know, it's just, there's a story behind it. And so with AI, like there isn't a story and there isn't, it's just like, cool. Anyway, and I, I think, I think it actually, the, the hopeful part of me feels like it's going to lead to people wanting more things made by people and wanting um, more art. That isn't just pretty art that makes you think
0: art that has soul. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I think that's something we've talked about. Cause I mean, I love your stuff. We we've stood and talked about some of the pieces and But again, to me, it fundamentally boils down to is, is it work that has soul? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. it may be pretty, but it doesn't resonate. But again, to me, I've found the same thing in written word. I've found the same thing in music and art and film as we're looking and seeing more and more. What does or doesn't have that little spark, that energy of humanity behind it? And to me, that's, that's one of the most important things that, we're already starting to see this cycle kind of burn through the novelty is burning through. And now that novelty is burning through, um, the question becomes, okay, what do we do next? How do we, how do we do better? Yeah. So that's to me, the hope for the,
1: yeah. And I, I do understand the argument that it could be, it could be a tool. Um, as a digital artist, I, I mean, I start, I started out traditionally trained. I was always, I was always drawing as a kid. And then it turned into being trained by a family and then going to art school and being trained in school uh, and then starting to learn uh, digital in school and out of school. And uh, becoming a digital artist um, came down to uh, wanting to learn and wanting to try new avenues. So I was always interested in the different ways that I Like, I've used Photoshop for a long time, and it wasn't specifically because I was an Adobe, like, fanatic. I just, I had access to it, and that was the thing that I had access to with a pen tablet, and kind of went from there. And I liked learning about the ways, like, that you could, you can do things. Um, And to me, it made more sense than to try and hit my head on a wall, trying to, like, work with watercolors and wait for them to dry and um, get the right paper, and that I could just, you know, I could make watercolor on Photoshop but many up until more recently the watercolor in Photoshop was very unrealistic and it didn't look good um, so now I can make something a little more watercolory, and it it it's fun to play with but it also makes me want to go sit down and play with the traditional thing um, so I like learning and I could see how I could see how AI would be great for helping create textures or even references it takes so much time for me to to make a, a reference because I start I usually start with an idea um, And I sketch it uh, and then I will work from there uh, But if I'm going to be if I'm going to do a hyper realistic piece for instance I tend to need some realistic references to to work from with good lighting Um, and I use photo references because most of the time I don't have access to all the models that I need um, so <laughs> uh having to find photo references takes a long time and then i tend to put them together in this kind of frankenstein thing that then i work off of um and that that takes a lot of time so i could see how you know using ai to do that would be great but i also i get permission from the photographers like the art that i use the stock photography um, I either pay for it, and I or I go to places that are offering it up for free or find ways to support the artist. Um, and uh, you know, I have permission to do that. So if I'm doing referencing um, with AI, I want, excuse me, those artists to be compensated. Um, I want them to be uh, to be able to also live <laughs> with the the what they do. Uh, with taking photography, like you know, photos, and um, that's that's really hard work. I'm I'm very thankful to the reference artists out there. Um, so I I I see how, you know, it could be a really good tool in a lot of ways. Uh, the problem is, is that it is built on the backs of people that it is trying to make obsolete. Um, and even if we lived in a world where we had universal income and you didn't have to worry about money. You say like you don't have to worry about paying the bills. Um, it would still be violating because it is everything that you've worked on your whole life.
0: The lifetime of skill poured into Mm -hmm. the algorithm. It's also your
1: eye, you know, your perspective and your your soul. And a photo a photographer can have this. You know, you're going to have five photographers and they're going to have the same model, the same lighting, the same setup, and they're going to, they're all going to take different photos. And because that's their perspective in their eye. And it's just the same thing with painters. We're going to have a different perspective. So to have that perspective stolen, it's, it's very difficult.
0: Well, I mean, even, you know, if you put 10 writers in a room and give them one writer prompt you're going to come out of that room with 50 stories. Right. That are all different this you know. So it's still the that eye that vision
1: mm-hmm.
0: that that spark in that, that to me is still one of the things that is the most important out of art and creativity.
1: Yeah, so I know that the, you know, I, I I'm a little frustrated with uh hearing people say, well the cat's out of the bag, so just deal with it. But yeah, the, the cat is out of the bag, but it it um it can be corralled. I feel like it needs to be curled in in a way that um guided in a way that is uh, respectful to people as well as as our copyrights. Um, but also you know, still can be a a useful tool.
0: Well, what have we not talked about you wanted to dive into?
1: um well, i I think um, you know, getting a little more into uh, having those online communities and having my Patreon um a lot of artists these days have things like patreon and, and ko-fi or coffee um it uh supporting those spaces you know if you don't like ai art or even if you do like it but you still like some real human artists um support those spaces like most of us have a a small amount that is you know my my lowest amount is three dollars so with and three with three dollars a month you get to see like the things I'm up to, some of the stuff I'm currently working on, you get phone wallpapers, you get desktop wallpapers, you know, and so and for me, like I have, um, I have multiple tiers that you, know, you get like video stuff and you get um, time lapses and chats with me or I have a discord where we can do gaming sometimes or like I do live painting where I just like listen to music and we all talk to to have those community spaces. Like that is like, uh, it gives me so much life and I I love having those spaces. Um, So sharing that, um, that Patreon, you know, that that gives me the space to not only keep doing what I love, but also to keep working, like to go back to working more with uh, companies um, because at the end of the day, we all only have so much energy. So, that is what helps keep me keep me being able to create
0: so somebody wants to work with you or find your stuff Mm on patreon support all that kind of good stuff where can they find you and track you down at
1: um so i my website is artisterilburgess.com um it's pretty simple and i've got all my my links there i just rebuilt the whole thing to make it a lot easier to use um so um you can find my merchandise there so i sell i'm i'm currently making a calendar um so that's about to come out uh tomorrow um and uh you can you can get mugs and t-shirts and hoodies and things but also like prints and um but also you can find my patreon uh and join the conversation there um my patreon is dungeons and dragons themed um so uh there, everybody has each class has like a, a mix of class. So, um, like, I have uh, vampire rogues and um, Gorgon rangers. Uh, so, it's a mix of monsters plus uh, DD classes. So, I call them my mythical monsters. And um, I'm currently this year going to be making um, uh, mascots for each group. Um, and, uh, they each have like their own, um, perks and, um, you know, unique attributes that they can, they can, uh, go to battle for. So it's, it's really fun to have like a really fun community, uh, doing that kind of thing.
0: Well, I appreciate you hopping on and always good to see and catch up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And until next week, this is creating pros.